This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome in, folks, to episode number 101. Nick, I uh, am happy to bring you in here. Nick Maxson is who I'm talking to. I, myself, Noah Grant. Can you tell it's an early Sunday morning? I was about to say, I'm really happy we hit hit over 100 episodes, but it makes them a lot harder to say quickly (laughs) during a show intro. Uh, But nonetheless, we've got a lot of fun things to talk about here in today's show. Uh, Men's hockey, of course, uh, figured out how to put the puck in the net. That's exciting. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Women's hockey, unfortunately, not a goal to be had on the weekend. Their season is done. We'll kind of recap a little bit about what that means for their program and their and their season moving forward, so to speak. Uh, a little bit of Minnesota Wild talk. They've been slumping as of late. And then our extra ice session. We're going to do some way too early NCAA tournament predictions and see how we think the next couple of weeks are going to shake out. Uh, without further ado, as always, we'll start with Center ISU News and Notes and the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, Noah, and in the voice of Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and actually, yes, yes there, is. there is a chance. Uh, St. Yeah. State did what they had to do, uh, took care of business against uh, Colorado College. Um, side comment, really like their coach, honestly. Chris Mayotte yeah. um, had a chance to talk to him uh, pregame. Great, great dude. Um, got a chance to also talk to him uh, media day back in October. Good first impression, but even a, a, a little bit more in-depth conversation prior to Friday's game. Um, let me tell you, he's, he's an impressive young man. I, I will tell you this. Um, give him a couple of years, just like Rico up at St. Thomas, and uh, I think there will be some some good strides down there from the Tigers because that used to be a pretty prominent program in college hockey, and it would be nice to see them turn things around. So, uh, side note, despite Colorado College falling too, I think they're in actually really, really good hands um, there with uh, Chris Mayotte. Um, speaking of St. Cloud States, though, uh, taking care of things on Friday and Saturday night, Sam Hench is returning to form um, at the right time. Thank goodness. Uh, Easton Brzezinski also figuring out that the, the net is on the ice and yeah, that you can put a puck into the net. 
Yeah. So it's good to see him score for the first time in, I think, what, 10 or 11 games. So that was huge. Uh, four to one victory on Friday night. Uh, Saturday, a 62 uh, win as well. Uh, Hench has got a goal in that game as well. Uh, five power play goals on the weekend. Uh, now sitting at 38.5% on the weekend, 33% for the season. Um, shots very much in control by the Huskies. Uh, but I think the bigger point here, Noah, is that they, they're much better scoring areas is where these shots were coming yeah. from. So uh, I know St. Cloud State wanted to get back to the greasy areas of the ice. I certainly felt like they did that. So, yeah, they outshot their opponents by 17 um, or so. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like it was more of just the quality of scoring chances, I think, was was the bigger storyline. Um, so where does that leave us? That leaves us with uh, a 17-11-4 overall record, 9-9-4 in conference play, which is exactly tied with UMD. They're also 9-9-4. So how about that uh, going to the NCHC, right? Uh, this next weekend, uh, no, it's going to be quite fun, honestly. Um, so five of its last eight games, uh, either by a tie um, or by a win since uh, last being swept by North Dakota and Denver at the beginning of, ja- of February, not January. It's been a long yeah. 60 days. We'll put it to yeah. that way. Te- <laughs> yeah, yeah. technically the end of February, start, start of yeah, end of January. Anyway, January, February. yeah. So North Dakota we know was, we uh, know we're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being in February and January, because what that was, what, 28th, 29th, or 27th, 28th with North Dakota. Either way, it was not uh, – that, that stretch was like, tough when uh, Sam Henches and Nick Perbix were uh, on their Olympic duties along with head coach Brett Larson. But what yeah. this does, as we talked about, this, sh- this sets up quite the weekend with Duluth. Now, it's been tradition for these two teams to finish out the regular season with each other, uh, swapping home sites, but uh, I believe – in the last four years. No, I think this is what's uh, interesting. I don't believe there's been quite the implications on standings or playoff standings uh, in the last four years I've covered this team than there has been this weekend where it's come down to the wire. So this is going to be quite the showdown. Again, Huskies trailing by just a mere two points. We covered this on Fox 9 last night. So nonetheless, Huskies have to win regulation on Friday. That is the absolute must. And then what that does is set up a Saturday sort of multi-scenario if you can take care of business on Friday. If they push yeah. it to overtime, uh, that would, I think, do it with that single point. Um, so, But you got to take care of business on Friday. So um, either way, Huskies give themselves a chance and now looking more likely unless um, Western Michigan uh, really craps the bed against Miami at home um, that uh, these two teams are destined to play uh, the next four games in a row, two in the regular season, as well as the for well, two, uh, sorry to say, two, uh, two to three more in the first round of the NCHC playoffs. Yeah, it'll be a really interesting kind of look there. Obviously, we're going to take a look at those playoff scenarios moving forward here when we talk a little bit more about men's hockey. So we obviously won't give it all away, but uh, the only thing I have to say is, uh, how about the Miami Redhawks? Anyway, uh, moving on to some women's, <laughs> moving on to some women's hockey. Uh, their season has come to a close. Speaking speaking of games, kind of near Miami, but not really out at Ohio State. There, they were outscored by a combined score of nine to nothing in the two games. There, six zero and three zero to end their season. Fifth-year player Emma Paluzny playing in her last two collegiate games of her career. 50 saves on 59 shots to add to that impressive total, Nick. Uh, Some pretty impressive numbers. It was exactly her 100th game ever uh, at the collegiate level. 24 wins to her credit. I didn't know that. And 12 ties as well, too. It's actually uh, quite a good little bulk of... uh, 
victories there, six shutouts, a 309 goals against average, and a 920 save percentage for a goaltender that has wow. played uh, in front of some teams that have not been very good, uh, so to speak. It's been pretty impressive. Uh, a 562 win, win percentage, I believe it's like 530 or 513 or something like that in conference play. So um, winning over half of her games uh, that she was in, giving her team a chance. And, and how did she do that, Nick? Uh, franchise leader, 2,824 saves for Emma Peluzny to close out her career. That's a, a lot, lot of, of saves. Um, so wishing her obviously the best of luck would not be shocked if she decides to play at the level. But I also know that, uh, you know, from talking to her as well, too, I mean, her, the position has taken a toll on her body a little bit. Um, obviously, um, she 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 jokingly and affectionately talks about uh, how she creaks and groans, essentially, every time she gets out of bed in the morning for, from the movement of the position. So we'll have to see uh, what she's up to. I could totally see her doing either. I could see her playing or I could see her just going off into the sunset and doing her own thing. So. We'll have to keep an eye on her as well as fifth-year captain Kenzie Wiley, who finished her career in a St. Cloud State sweater. Uh, a couple players to keep uh, note on for next year, redshirt senior Kenna Weslow and seniors Jenna, uh, Jenna wow, Yanina Newland, Tatum Geyer, and Carly Reese all have another year of eligibility left technically with the COVID rules that are understated. Final point here, Nick, uh, Taylor Lynn pacing all scores this season with 25 points, Emma Gentry with 23, and Yanina and also Olivia Savar with 15 and 14, respectively. So the team finishing with nine wins in the season and four wins in WCHA play uh, and some decent splits in the non-conference schedule um, and doing all right at home. It was really the road games that really kind of uh, took a toll on this hockey team. So, But that's it. They're done. That's it for the season. For those who are interested in the rest of what the WCHA in women's hockey has to offer, uh, the WCHA uh, Final Four essentially is going to be taking place uh, upcoming here in the next couple of weeks, as well as the NCAA tournament. So you won't want to miss it, and uh, it should be a fun ride for the rest of the teams involved. Uh, just a quick comment, too, on uh, Emma Peluzny. Uh, what an outstanding human being, too. Um, we we yeah. spent uh, some some very good time with her. I'm um, also with Kenna Westlow, too. Uh, they've been mm -hmm. uh, fantastic. I think despite you know, maybe uh, the on-ice performance, which uh, we can have debates on and to uh, where maybe those struggles are, uh, you know, originate. Um, I still feel like that um, there's still a really good quality group of ladies that are in that locker room and yes. um, credit to them for a good run, a good season. I, I think that there were some games too, that I think that they had that they let kind of got away from a little bit too. So mm -hmm. I, I think the record a little bit skewed this season. Now I'm not trying to, you know, cover up you know some some obvious need for improvement but i do feel like um you know there was some some jumps this year maybe not mm -hmm. to the level we would have liked to have seen but i still feel like they're trending slowly but surely in the right direction you kind of hope that there's just a, a time where you can make a bigger jump um but it will be fun to watch yeah. this season and as you mentioned some of those ladies that do have that extra year do they take it or like you mentioned do they move on to other things um speaking of moving on so Daniel Charna has not moved on from playing nhl hockey um <laughs> because he apparently he's just he's just like subhuman i don't know what what do you call it a uh, 44 year old just recently passed uh, chris chelios uh for most games played by defenseman's 1652 games played uh that's nuts um that's a lot of hockey yeah. remember this guy used to be an ottawa senator new york islanders boston bruins the majority of his career mm -hmm. uh, spent some time with the capitals as well so i mean this guy just he just this is a machine, and when you're six nine, um, and and the in the words of Jack Edwards, can be a ballerina sometimes with a, a spin move of the blue line. Um, I guess you can play a lot of hockey. So uh, congratulations yeah. there to Sedano Chara. That's that's pretty nuts. 
Uh, so just to give you some context, some other good names that played in the hockey, Scott Stevens, Larry Murphy, and Ray Bork. Uh, he's now six all-time, so it just doesn't matter if you're forward or defenseman in skaters. Uh, he just passed Mark Recchi, a former Bruin himself. Uh, the all-time leader, Patrick Marlowe, the, the infamous uh, Patrick Marlowe, who even at when he was playing at the age of 40, still felt like he could skate like an 18-year-old. That guy was unbelievable to watch um, throughout his career. Yeah. He uh, 1,779 games played um, for any skater in the National Hockey League. Uh, so he's got some work to do. But uh, yeah, again, it's a it's it's about a season and change is what it is essentially. Yeah. So season and change, and uh, I kind of feel like. He probably could do it. Now, the question is, does he want to do it? That's the big key. Um, how about some signing news, right? Uh, Calgary hiring ex-Ducks coach Bob Murray as a scout. Oof. Um, let's just talk about Bob Murray for a second. Um, for those who don't know about Bob Murray, uh, recently he was fired no less than four months ago from the, being the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, had some substance abuse issues, which, you know, we're not judging by any means. You know, we all have are things that we need to work on. But it is curious that only four months out, he, he gets put into a scouting role. Now, like, granted, that's not a leadership position, um, but it does kind it of show, it does kind of show there's still some of that old boys club that's still around. It is a traveling position, I think, which is probably yeah. the scarier thing. Um, and if you know, you know. Um, I, I think the other thing, though, I, I mean, I, I try to look at it as a positive thing. I mean, hopefully he is making strides and Calgary felt that, you know, he is, he is, you know, fit for that role and that, and then it makes sense for him too. And who knows, you know, what his role as a scout is. I mean, he might be very regional too in, in that aspect and maybe just have a good grasp on example, for example, players in Southern California or something like that. So, right. um, you know, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that, but yeah, I, I think the timing is a little bit early. Um, but anytime we think the timing is early with Anaheim, then the Arizona Coyotes come into the deal and have a hand in all pies uh, in the rest of our news. So, I mean, what do you expect, right? <laughs> I wonder what John Tortorella has thoughts on this anyway. So um, how about some other signings, right? Arizona re-signed their demon uh, uh, Dyson Mayo to another three-year extension. Um, Coyotes also made a trade moving netminder Carter Hutton to the Maple Leafs um, who hadn't played since October 25th. Uh, let's see yeah toronto looking for some some depth and goaltender um as they try to make a push up to get out of the first round which i still think they're gonna probably fail um but at the end of the day we'll see what happens there uh but part of that trade ryan dezingle was part of that trade and then he was put on waivers by the maple leafs and then what do you know san jose picked him up so uh ryan dezingle goes uh, from arizona to toronto then just ends up being not that far west uh, in san jose california and uh, how about this? So this is interesting. Uh, no, and I'm surprised that this actually happened. Nathan McKinnon, who appeared to intentionally slash a linesman after a faceoff draw, uh, which would have been an automatic 10 game suspension, uh, was uh, how somehow avoided this. And, and I'm kind of curious because normally the league is very protective of the officials and they should be right. Um is Nathan McKinnon getting a little bit of a break here? Um, was there maybe some missteps by the referee that led to this? Um, I, or maybe are you, are you just as surprised as I am? Yeah, they said they said that his intention was to slash the player, but uh, that was That's exiting the face off. Yeah, I watched it back. Um, you know, and regardless of even if your intention was to slash the player, it doesn't really freaking matter. Uh, you slash an official. Uh, should have been should have been an automatic ten gamer, uh, just like the Antoine Vermette situation. Um, I think it's pretty cut and dry on this one. I definitely think there is a favoritism uh, with a star player there, and uh, it kind of pissed me off a little bit. So that's kind of all I have to add on that. What do you think? You know, 
I don't know how the league can make the argument he was trying to slash a player because yeah, the um it's garbage the, the player was well beyond the reach of the stick, uh, in my yeah. opinion. And uh, and, to me, and, and also Nathan McKinnon is probably one of the fastest players in the NHL. You're telling me he couldn't take two hard strides laterally and chase somebody down if he wanted to slash him? Just a thought. Right. So I don't know. I and <laughs> the other point is I and if I remember watching the video correctly, I think he looked right at the linesman when he did it. Yeah. But again, as as we mentioned, I as I mentioned to you, I still think uh, there was some some star power there that avoided the suspension rather than the actual rule. But what the hell do I know? Yeah, it was garbage. Um, uh, speaking of speaking uh, of garbage, speaking of yeah, hot speaking garbage, of go garbage. Ahead. Yeah, yes. Uh, moving to our final three topics, let's start with Sean Avery. Uh, his comeback is over before it started. What the hell was this? I don't know if this was a, a publicity thing or what the deal is, but he skated. Okay, so to give some context, the man has retired last in like 2011-12, essentially, pretty much closer to 2011. Hasn't played in 10 years. Has skated about six times since that. Um, besides a little pickup league, uh, where he plays once a week in Los Angeles. Angeles and he thought well hey I'm gonna return to the NHL I've got seven months to do this uh so he signed uh with the Solar Bears in Orlando in the ECHL uh 41 years of age and they released him two days later uh because guess what Sean Avery can't play hockey anymore um uh, on Wednesday he has said that the ECHL was going to be his stepping stone to the NHL um, I love this quote because it's so stupid um here's what it says I've got seven months to be physically ready to walk into an NHL training camp. There's a lot of time based on how I feel right now physically and how I feel on the ice after skating six times after not skating in 10 years. My timing is coming back and getting sharper every single time. I can feel it happening. I need what, to comment can, on this. I yeah, what can to. you feel happen? What can you feel happening, Sean Avery? The depression in your couch from your ass? Like, come on. Oh, so a couple of things for for those who are not aware, uh, maybe our younger audience, uh, Sean Avery. He was kind of the Tom Wilson uh, before Tom Wilson. Um, I I don't know if he was yeah. more of a. He wasn't really a dirty player. I think the bigger, but he was a. He was kind of a gnat. Um, actually, has his own rule book um, into uh, with a famous Marty Broder incident in front of the net. Yeah. Uh, basically, think, you think think about if Brad Marchand had like a younger brother that couldn't play hockey. Yeah, uh, he was never a skilled player. Um, he was definitely more of a um, um, an agitator per se. Although he never really fought. That's the thing. Also, know is that he was more you know getting under the skin of the opponent. So. I'm trying to think who else was like Alexander Burroughs, maybe a better comparison. Um, yeah. Cause Alexander Burroughs, I mean, he would scruff, but I don't like Burroughs would fight as often. Um, here's what's, here's what's funny to me. 41 years old. Tell me which NHL team is going to take a risk in a 41 year old and played in the NHL in 10 years. And uh, well, granted he's got more NHL games than you and I both combined, but at yeah. the end of it um, at 41, no, no dude. Yes. And your timing sorry. is not coming back. I'm sorry. So anyways, you can continue now. Yeah. Yeah, so just dumb. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of the younger generation, a little bit more of a somber topic here on this one. This one just coming out uh, last week. Toronto prospect in 2020, 15th overall draft pick of the Maple Leafs, Rodion Amirov, um, has been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, General Manager Kyle Dubas announced this one's kind of a sad one here. He, uh, Amirov is currently at a medical facility in Germany. He's undergoing treatment, uh, and the, he's a forward, and he's with his family. He's not going to return to play for the KHL uh, this season. Um, his age. Dan Milstein, who's a very um, 
uh, very common he's agent well that known. a lot of people yep. should know, um, said that uh, Amirov is skating three times per week and he's working out every day. So that's a good sign. Hopefully he's getting back uh, to that point. Um, last season, uh, he led Russia with six points and seven co- seven contests at the World Junior. So pretty good little hockey player. He's played in 10 KHL games this year. So you kind of hope that he's able to uh, um, uh, fight his way through that and be able to continue and hopefully join a Maple Leaf squad uh, as a fantastic addition to that group there. Uh, closing out. The Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup and injury news. Only a couple of them here. Uh, Pittsburgh defenseman Mike Matheson, week to week with an upper body issue. Carolina's Tony D'Angelo will miss a month with a midsection injury. Chicago forward Jujahar Kiara will miss the rest of the season after back surgery. And uh, Toronto's Jake Muslim was placed on long-term injury reserve, which is often uh, probably going to affect the Toronto Maple Leafs at the deadline. My notes say that's supposed to be it, but Nick Maxson is laughing. So what do you got, Nick? The did fact you, that Carolina's just... Tony D'Angelo... No, it's it's. Did you invent a, a new? It's not upper, not lower. Now it's Liter- section. Literally, literally, what the relief says. I thought it was seriously. Weird too. I thought I thought it was weird too. I mean, that no. kind of gives you a, a well. A Carolina has point, had. No? Uh, well, Carolina has had um, some uh, some 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 media type savviness the last few years, including um, some uh, trolling in terms <laughs> of uh, uh, offer sheets per se, but. Um, so, midsection. So how do you, that's how do you de- that's how, interesting. How do you define the midsection? Where is the midsection? I mean, like, it's I don't I don't even know up, I don't even know up and down anymore. Honestly, so. you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's like I would think torso, what? maybe. Like, yeah, ribs, like are maybe? we talking? We ribs, talking probably? full thoracic? We talking full thoracic cavity? Yeah, pelvic area? Like, what are we talking here? You know what I, I mean? Know. No idea. Uh, um, yeah. Well. We don't have we don't have any idea what we're talking about normally. So uh, hey, why don't we continue with some more of this? We're gonna head over to the regular portion of the show where we've got some Minnesota Wild stuff and some college hockey news. And welcome into episode number one zero one here on the Huskies Warming House Podcast. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant, as always. Nick, uh, it's been a week. Uh, you've been yeah. very busy doing some broadcasting things. Uh, six obviously. of the six, sixth, sixth one in a row here this morning. It's, yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, obviously, things are not going well on the other side of the world in terms mm-hmm. of uh, those sorts of things. Kind of difficult to watch. All in all, what's your assessment of the week and how are you doing? Well, besides, uh, you know, the physical exhaustion, right? Um, I think a little bit of uh, reflection here um, for my time with HP, because um, I, I think it's important. Um, last night may have been that last broadcast. Um, you know, if, if the Huskies can't win Friday and take care of business on Saturday in a couple of different fashions, we'll talk about that later. Um, that's it. Um, we would be looking at potentially uh, getting... Uh, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, if it is at home. Um, I say potentially because um, the licensing fee per game, the NCHC, um, is not cheap. Um, I learned it's, uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not cheap. Yeah. So um, at, at the end of the day, there's, there would be a, a cost involved in that. So even if it were to happen, there's still question marks as to whether we would pick it up. Um, so why I will say this, um, what a year of growth. Um, that I had as a broadcaster, what a year it was for the Huskies, some ups, some, some downs as of recently, and hopefully finishing on, on an up note. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a hell of a year. I, I can't believe that on Tuesday, it's going to be March 1st. And that yeah. means that's uh, we're coming up to 60 days here uh, to the end of the semester, um, which is unbelievable to, to think about. Um, 
and yeah, it's 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 been a ride. Uh, Lakeville North uh, taking care of business on Thursday against uh, Rochester Century, attended to schlacking um, by that squad. They <laughs> controlled it the, in, the entire game. Um, really wasn't uh, close, unfortunately. That's you, you hate to see those in, in high school. Yeah. Honestly, you really do because it's. And I get that the parody in high school sports is much wider. Just it's, mm-hmm. it, but but you kind of you kind of wish that some of those you know. Uh, some of those other schools would, uh, you know, I guess, um, how am I phrasing this correctly? You, you kind of wish that the parody was better, you know, because when you go into yeah. a section tournament like that, you, you hate to see something like that, you know, where it, the game essentially was over in the second period. Yeah, no, I definitely understand. It kind of depends on the league. I, same with hockey, right? Depends on the level, depends on the conference in some cases and that sort of thing. But, you know, Nick, speaking of things that are a little bit too close for comfort, unfortunately, obviously, I, I think a quick comment is at least noted here, uh, the Russia-Ukraine situation. Um, oh I, I think... I think that the the one thing that we would like to point out here, um, quite obviously, and I know I speak for you when I say this, is that we are not in favor of going or of having war and having Russia do what they're doing. I think that needs to be said. Um, and it's difficult. Some of the some of the videos that have come out. I mean, I don't know if you got to see that video of uh, the guy who was driving on the street and pretty much got run over by a tank, essentially. Um, you know, uh, houses getting bombed. There's videos on that too. It's just, it's senseless. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't care. No, I don't care what political affiliation you believe or anything like that. It's just, it's senseless violence and you hope it doesn't escalate to more than what it is. We'll have to obviously see, um, you know, obviously right now, Russia is very hampered with the swift bank, uh, happenings that just happened yesterday. So we'll have to see if that has any effect, but, uh, That's yeah, gonna just severely debilitate for those who don't know exactly what the yeah. SWIFT is. Essentially it's the international wire transfer lines. Um, mm-hmm. when you, again, for those who don't know, I work in banking for, for those who want to make an international wire transfer and come to my branch, they have to provide what's called a SWIFT code. Um, it's a numerical slash alphabetical code. Um, so essentially, instead of a routing number, that's the SWIFT code. Um, that makes sure that um, it goes to the right spot. And then even some countries like um, Switzerland is one of them. I know a few others, Morocco, where there is what's called an IBAN number. So you have the SWIFT and then you have an IBAN. And that IBAN number is sometimes 32 characters long. Um, pretty nuts. And then... I know in Switzerland for sure, if you receive a wire transfer, now wire transfers like direct deposits, right? So it's instant funds availability. There's really no limit on how big you can go. Um, so, I mean, if you wanted a wire of 25 million, okay, there's nothing that says you can't do that. In Switzerland, they actually will hold any wire funds for seven days just because they want to confirm that that money is there. Now, it's funny because in the US, when you do a wire transfer, you have to use collected funds, which means you're basically saying, yep, these funds are good and I'm sending them over to you. So um, this 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 is huge uh, for for Russia, because Mm -hmm. if they're and I'm kind of curious as to the response that they will have with this. So you talk about escalation, you talk about, you know, obviously the the horrendous, uh, you know, human suffering that's happening. Um, And I want to make sure I make this clear from either side. It's not good, right? even from the aggressor there's people that are losing their lives there's people that are losing their yeah. livelihoods this is you have people in russia that are protesting they're getting arrested um it's yeah you, it's not good so at, at the end of the day you hope that there's a resolution sooner than later you hope that the violence calms down um not not a fun situation and just yeah you know, it's not good it's it's odd because to to be fair it's the worst european conflict in history since world war ii um and 
it's also um it's much obviously deadlier than the cold war within a week of the inception of whatever this is all because you have a leader who um is making false claims essentially about a ukrainian president essentially using nazism as an example and neo-nazism as an example when when the ukraine's leader is jewish so it doesn't make any particular sense at all so um you have to yeah um so like to, to, to liken it to a leader uh, in the 1940s, just take a guess as to how close it comes to this, all because one man um, has an ego in this. But like you mentioned, uh, kind of a dangerous piece, too. There's, you know, there's Formula One drivers, uh, potentially, you know, NHLers would suffer from this where there's passport KHL. implications. Well, KHL, yep. there's been two mm-hmm. teams, uh, Riga Latvia and then the Jokerit from Finland, again, who's part of that, yeah. have both pulled out. Um, and I know, at least from what I've read, Jokerit, just for the playoffs, it sounds like Riga Latvia won wants to just like essentially pull out the yeah. KHL altogether. Um, and that's not only for the rest of this season, but it could be just like, I want to be done with this league. So yeah. uh, there could be some very widespread implications on what's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with yeah. these decisions. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, but again, you, you kind of wonder as this story continues to evolve, um, you know, what the, I'm more curious as to long-term repercussions, especially with the economic sanctions, with yeah. the, the implication of the, the banning from SWIFT. And you kind of wonder, you know, are you know what Russia's response will be? You know, are they going to come to the table peacefully or are there going to be more um, aggressive measures? And I think that's kind of what at least I'm waiting on. You certainly hope for more peaceful um, deliberations. Yeah, you know, it kind of, like you said, kind of senseless. And, you know, the other piece of this, too, is essentially Russia doesn't want NATO near them. And then they're threatening war against other NATO countries, too. And that's kind of what this whole thing stems about. And it's it's idiotic. Um, But uh, anything else that you wanted to add there, Nick? Well, if you want to go to the NATO thing, I was bringing it up real quick. Uh, for those who don't yeah. understand, you know, the, the, the whole Russian chessboard, right? So, you know, Ukraine and especially Belarus have been chessboard pieces for Russia. Um, Russia looks at NATO as essentially an extension of the U.S., an extension of U.K. And basically what, you know, as, as NATO forces do is that they line up military assets in these countries. And basically, if... The way Russia sees it, if Ukraine were to join NATO, and again, I'm not sure I'm 100% correct in this. I'm, I'm obviously speculating, but I believe if I'm reading the reports right, we're, mm-hmm. we're reading how Russia's really looking at the situation, right, from what they want as Russian interests. If, if Ukraine joins NATO, that basically puts the U.S. on their doorstep. That yep. takes away Russia's ability to kind of have uh, some leverage in international relations as well as to move forward. I don't want to say Russia's interest because it really is Putin's interest at this point, right? Yeah. Um, because the, the protests in the streets really kind of tell you where his own people really stand on this. I think even they're seen through the BS per se that they're spewing. Um, but in other words, they, they see that. And, and uh, this is really, and you can, you talked about controlling the narrative, right? Um, they're trying to say that this is defensive, that Ukraine was about to invade Russia. So this was a, a defensive war. Um, nope. Obviously the entire world knows BS again. Um, but again, that's, this is how, this is how they're trying to, to portray their side of it. And uh, again, we'll have to see how these things evolve. And it's, it's sad that again, there's, there's human lives being lost and uh, you know, it's, it's senseless uh, acts of violence. And you, you just hope that we can end the violence soon and get back to the, to the, you know, to the table and see if we can't work something out. 
yeah, the uh, kind of goal is to keep the the Western allies uh, off the doorstep, so to speak, like yep. you mentioned. Uh, speaking of senseless violence, the Minnesota Wild have not played very good hockey as of late. No. That was probably a, that was probably a poor transition. But what I'm trying to say um, is that the Minnesota Wild have not uh, have not had a lot of energy and jump uh, losing to Calgary in uh, pretty unceremonious fashion uh, the other night. Uh, they've dropped, I believe, four of their last five. Uh, besides that low yep. win against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, uh, kind of very quickly here, Nick, uh, Minnesota, the wild kind of feel like they've been on the back burner as of late because they, they haven't have. really, they haven't really been particularly healthy. Um, is it time to start freaking out about Minnesota or are they just kind of going through their first real slump of the season and they're not healthy and they're missing bodies? Well, when you're missing bodies, um, I know a certain broadcaster will go depth. See, I told you so, but I'm not going to repeat that. Um, <laughs> but does kind of have a point when you're playing like this and you're injured. Um, it does actually show the depth isn't maybe uh, here's the thing, right? The G line, right? The Erickson at Greenway uh, and who am I missing? Felino, right? Yeah. Grief, the grief line. Yes. Um, yeah. It shows that, you know, when you have lines that are, it's more about the chemistry of the lines than anything. Right. Um and because what chemistry can do, Noah, is it can you can elevate people's games, right? It, it can be like that perfect storm. I mean, let's talk about the the Sedin twins and how just they two you could put those two with almost anybody on the ice, and that would be just an insane line, right? It's it was actually so fun to watch those two when they played, just because they just they knew each other was. And you have to look; they made some unbelievable plays. Um, it was so fun to watch. But um, to that point. Um, it can take away an orchestra. It can mask deficiencies in a individual's game is what it does. Right. And I think what we're seeing here, and I think the alarm bells is more more on the defensive side right now, because the wild is still scoring. Uh, Cause it was at seven, four last night. They lost to Calgary. If I, if I recall correctly, um, it's, it's the goals going in the net. So um, is, and I think it was Matt Dumba back or was he still out or I'm, I'm trying to, uh, he's still on LTIR. He's still on LTIR. So yeah, so does this mean, and I think the bigger implication is with the trade deadline coming up in just now about three weeks, um, if you're Bill Guerin, you're watching this, you've you've had a good season so far. Um, is your problem in the defensive core? Do you need depth forwards that can play a little bit better defensively? Um, do you go out and get another goaltender? Um, you know, so I think that it does raise some questions. Is it panic mode? No. Um, you're, you're still having a really good season. Your still win percentage is really good, um, but you definitely – are watching this closely, this list latest slide, because, you know, they've had, was it five, that that eight game winning streak, then was it five in a row that they lost? So, I mean, you're going to have ups yeah. and downs, but I think the mm -hmm. way this team is losing lately, I think there is some cause for a little bit of concern, especially in the back end. But again, you know, injuries are playing a part of that too. And you, you kind of wonder what Bill Green will, will take from it and see if he feels like he needs to uh, make a move. Yeah, certainly question marks in the faceoff dot too. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he feels the need to make a move. Obviously, the cap crunch uh, is a big question Doesn't mark. Doesn't help. Nope. Yeah, coming up into Kevin Fiala's potential resigning, the way that he's been playing as of late doesn't help. Good um, luck. It does, but it doesn't. If Good that makes luck. sense. So um, we'll luck. have to kind of kind of see how that shakes out. Minnesota, uh, a very heavy schedule for them. Obviously, yeah. coming up, they have Calgary again this upcoming Tuesday. Um, if my sheet will load here, a calorie yep. followed by a, a swing out to Philadelphia on Buffalo before coming back home against Dallas. That should, and the that should write the ship for two games. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one would hope anyway. Yeah, um, that's fair. But, 
but we'll have to see uh, how that shakes out. We're going to head on over to some women's hockey here, Nick, and that was what our trivia question was about this week. So uh, this was before the game uh, yesterday. Unfortunately, the women's team unable to get the job done, but essentially the question was asking, what season is the last in which the women's hockey team has won a game in the WCHA quarterfinals? So the opening round of the WCHA quarterfinals, Nick, any stab on a year? I will admit I, I cheated and looked at this and it was 10 Yeah, 2009-10, uh, Bemidji was the last one. So St. Cloud State has won seven total games in the WCHA quarterfinals, making it to the semifinals twice in 2005-06 and 07-08, both against Ohio State, the first of which was a clean sweep, and the second one went to three games that the Huskies were able to win that one. They have never won a game in the semifinals in the two times they've made it. I think they've lost to um, Minnesota Duluth, maybe both times um but for sure i think it's minnesota and minnesota duluth or just minnesota duluth and it hasn't been close in either of those games uh and they've won other games uh single games against duluth mankato and bemidji the last of which like we mentioned came in 2009-10 so their season is done nick like we had kind of talked about a couple players getting ready to depart uh emma Paluzny, if you didn't hear it in the opening part of the show 100 games played a 309 goals against average and a 920 save percentage 562 win percentage and 2,824 saves. Just highly, highly impressive. Kenzie Wiley, a fifth-year player, a captain, also out the door. Uh, and redshirt senior McKenna Westlow, who we spent some time with, fantastic person, as well as seniors. You need a Newland Tatum Geyer and goal center Carly Reese all on the docket for potentially returning or going their respective ways. But, Nick, Huskies didn't store, score a goal at all this weekend, losing nine to nothing to one to arguably, to be fair, one of the better teams in college hockey on the women's side in Ohio state. They are a powerhouse team. Um, yep. um, finishing obviously second in the WCHA this season, they could win a national championship. They are good this year. Are, um, yep. But nonetheless, uh, we've had this discussion. We've had this discussion before, uh, you know, Steve McDonald at the end of his contract, question marks lay there, question marks on returning personnel. Um, I mean, what is what is your overall assessment of this season so far? Like you mentioned, finishing with uh, nine wins on the season, probably could have got to thirteen or even fourteen. Uh, some of these games that were they were really close, and obviously uh, a lot of a lot of it, they didn't. Well, and the the part of that is a lot of third period leads that have, that evaporated. Um, yeah, that and I think. You know, again, we, we talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks now is, you know, is that a question of coaching? Is it a question of personnel? Um, again, I think we said it and we both agree with it. I think the trend of talent is going up. I think that I think that we can say for sure. Right. But, you know, there's talent and then there's playing the game. Right. Um, you can have quick feet. You can have soft hands. Um, you can have all that good jazz. But I think at the end of it, you know, I think what, what has to be questioned here is, and, I, and I've got some inside information um, uh, from from some of the, the folks that are behind the scenes. Um, I think the question is, you know, with any coaching staff, and we talked about the, you know, how Mike Hill was a great coach for Minnesota, but how does he handle the person? Does he get people to buy in? Again, I don't know. Um, I, I still feel like there's a trend upwards. Now, the, the recruiting aspect, I don't know if that's heavily Molly and Janelle or if that's Steve. Um, so do you give him a year extension? Do you give him a two-year extension to see if the, he can the, get over the hump? The leash is going to be short. I think that's yeah. the, the piece to kind of pay attention to. Now, 
I think the most pivotal part of uh, this whole process, and I don't say this to be funny, um, the players. I think the players are an integral part of this process. One, obviously, because of how they play. But number two, they're the best people to ask when it comes to knowing what the temperature yeah. of that locker room is. And I was thinking about this the other day because, like I said, we like Steve. He's a great guy. But we also understand that, like anything, uh, the higher up you get in hockey, the more of a business and more you have to execute at, at particular times. And, and I was thinking about, as I was looking back to St. Cloud State's record, like like I mentioned, haven't won a semifinal game since 2010. Uh, a swing of coaches that have been in there, Eric Rood, who, of course, had a really great career and now is at the Division One level on the men's side. It still goes back to that point. I mean, in some senses, I was looking at some of the teams back from like 2014-15, 2015-16, and some of the kind of the higher-end goal scorers or playmakers that they had. Um, and granted, St. Cloud State has players like that. Taylor Lind had a fantastic season this year. Coming Olivia up Savar, hard for Taylor Lind. Yeah, Olivia Olivia Savar, uh, you know, turned it on late. Enina Newland had a great season and probably could have had, well, more points if it wasn't for international play and the things that she was up to. And Emma Gentry, what an impressive jump she has made as well, too. Um, but I, but I want to ask this question honestly here um, in kind of a pseudo Steve McDonald defense, Nick, is this hockey team, even though they're trending in the right direction, are they just not as potent of an offense as teams in years past? Are they just not a potent hockey team has, has how much of this, again, how much of this is Steve, Molly and Janelle and how much of this is just a hockey team that just doesn't, doesn't have all the pieces, just can't get over the hump, uh, you know? And I, I, I hate to say it like that, but to, I think to it's fair, the reality, you know, a couple of years ago, like we mentioned, they had, what was it? Four total wins on the season, two in the yeah. WCHA. Like they were not a good hockey team. I'm sorry. No. no. And, you know, when we talked about, you know, the culture of that locker room too, because when you're not finding success and, you know, it, it wears on you mentally as a competitor. Yeah. Right. So uh, now, and I think, you know, I, I talked about this to some other folks uh, at the rink uh, just the other, you know, just this is weekend, this past weekend is, you know, to fix the situation, there, there's there's an even bigger problem, right? Because you have not that far away established winning programs in Wisconsin, in Minnesota. Mankato's been, you know, kind of, you know, that middle of the pack, but they're still good, you know, uh, UMD. So Ohio State. Ohio State. So you, you, you're losing the recruiting battle already. Um, just because, again, you've had sustained periods of, of unfortunately, just not being able to have sustained success. Uh, yeah. So there is something to be said about recruiting better talent in that environment alone. Now, is there, I think there's both at play here, honestly. So you take that into consideration, right? You have the talent that you're, you're going to be working with, right? Um, who probably need a little bit of coaching in terms of the game itself that also needs some skill development. Right. Uh, so already you're, you're playing catch up with that. And yeah. at the end of it too, I think the best comparison to this in men's hockey would be almost like Bemidji state. And here's why, and here's Actually, why, and here's yeah. why I say that Bemidji state is in a similar recruiting situation in Minnesota as, as the St. Cloud state women's is. Um, you, you're, you're not going to get the highest end talent. You just don't have a scholarship money. Um, again, you've got other hype, more high pro, uh, profile programs that are, are going to steer some of that high talent away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you do? Um, that team has an identity. Tom Steratori, um, has them play a very unique, very defensive first style of hockey. 
And guess what? Last year they made noise in the NCAA tournament. So when coaching comes into this, and that is how can you get players to buy into a system, whether it's that system or any system that they feel like they can breed success, that's getting them to buy in. And that's where coaching comes into play. Um, so though, as you very eloquently mentioned, Noah, um, and I think this is important is I think that is the ultimate question. What is, what is the temperature with the players in the locker room and, and what their relationship is like with the coach? How do they feel, um, things are going and, and that, and that might be, you know, sort of that last string of whether he gets an extension or not. Um, and, and again, you know, and you hate to throw Molly and Janelle in the situation too, but they're part of the same staff too. You know, we don't know everything about those two, you know, is there tension there as well? So, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a team effort, right? It's an indictment on the entire coaching staff. Um, so this is going to be an interesting storyline to follow. I'm not sure if Molly and Janelle's contracts are up um, that I don't know. I think that's a, a good question for us I'm to research. Um, but Again, a lot of question marks that uh, athletic director Heather Weems will have to, to sort through. Um, and uh, you just kind of hope that whatever decision is made is obviously made in the best intention of the of the program and the players. And, you know, if it is indeed a new direction that, uh, you know, it's made, uh, it's that's the best decision for. But if Steve is hung on to um, another year or two, I think, Noah, like you said, I think there would be a shorter leash in this. Um, and uh, you, you kind of hope that, you know, things continue to grow well the question is do they see it and how much patience do they have with it yeah you know one of the things that uh <clears throat> you know i think you go back to the recipe you mentioned uh bemidji state i was actually going to go a little bit closer to home nick i was going to go with the men's team for st cloud and what i mean by this i think it's a combination of the two you have to have an identity like you mentioned i think the other piece that st cloud men's hockey has done for so long because they obviously were not a powerhouse until recent years uh is the Huskies men's team has been really good at finding diamonds in the rough at finding players that, you know, they see them at 18, 19, they need a little bit of refinement in their game. Then they bring them in at 21, 22, maybe realize they're not going to be a stud, you know, when it comes to the first year or two of their play, but they're going to develop them into that player. They're going to develop them from that B level player into an A minus player. They're going to get a bunch of guys or, or gals in this instance that are in a similar, you know, kind of skill set and continue to develop them as a group and, and make them better as a whole and, and get all those components working together. So I think maybe that's where you look a little bit too, you know, kind of maybe pick the minds a little bit of some of the, you know, the men's hockey coaches and that recruiting piece too, because it is an uphill battle uh, in the WCHA. And it's sad to see, because if you look back historically, some of the best seasons St. Cloud has ever had came in the early years from 2000 to 2010. Uh, and it just has not been the same. And I think, you know, we, we talk about culture too in that locker room. I know that this, this group of seniors, we talked about them already. You have really, really try to cement a winning culture too. Um, yeah. Fantastic it, it, people. Fantastic, fantastic people, people, right? Um, it, it, the reality says though, however, Noah, that the, the lack of success makes that establishing a winning culture a little bit tougher, right? It, it yeah. just simply does. Um, you know, there, there's nothing that compares to being a player walking on the ice at Ohio state um, for the first one, the playoffs, you, you know, your record, you're looking ahead at the, the talent disparity and the winning culture would say, yeah, maybe we've had a rough stretch, but we can beat this team. We, we can go in and do it. You kind of wonder where the mentality is with players when you're getting not, you know, when you're not getting the puck bounces, you're not getting the breaks, you're, you're having stretches of, of losing streaks. It, you know, it does wear on you mentally. And I think that's one thing that, 
you know, it, it's always the, the last and the hardest thing to develop is that that mental strength, right? Um, and so this this program definitely still has work to do, and you, you kind of hope that. Um, you know, is this a turning point? I'm not sure. Um, but I do feel like it, it is, on, you know, time for a review per se. And you, you kind of wonder what, uh, what Heather Williams is thinking. And, uh, I would assume here in the next probably few months, um, if uh, we would probably know, um, where they feel and where the direction might head, or it might be sooner than that. We'll have to see, um, either way, uh, you know, this team definitely needs to get better. Yeah, they definitely do. To kind of recap a little bit, uh, like we had mentioned, uh, um, if I can pull it up here, I just had it. There it is. Steve McDonald, uh, um, a three-year contract for him, uh, finishing three seasons since Eric Rude left in the spring of 2019. First season, 6-25-4. and four. Uh, Last season, 6-12-1 and one with the shortened season. And then this year, 9-23-3. and three. So uh, finishing seventh, sixth, and seventh in the WCHA, uh, respectively, in conference play. Year number one, two twenty-one and one. Year number two, six twelve and one. Uh, actually, a pretty decent little showing during the COVID year last year. And then mm -hmm. four twenty and three um, to finish out this particular campaign. So, kind of to, get, to give you some insight into what's been going on. The last season that Eric Rude uh, left, he had ten wins to his credit. Uh, and the second season that Eric Rude coach was the most successful for him uh, in recent memory with 14 wins uh, on the season for him, the most since um, Jeff Geisen coached back in 2009-10. Uh, just a pretty impressive run, Nick. I mean, um, if you go from 2005-06 to about 2009-10, when some of the big name scores that still dot the record sheets were, how about this, Nick? Uh, for the win column, 18-12, uh, 18-15, and 15. So um, some pretty impressive numbers, uh, including three straight seasons with 11 wins in the WCHA as well, too. So we'll keep an eye on that one. We'll keep you posted for the women's hockey piece, uh, as always, as uh, their season, unfortunately, has come to a conclusion to a close we are turning over to men's hockey and paying attention to a riveting finish that is brewing in the nchc we're going to head on to our extra ice session men's hockey is going to be tied in we're going to take a look at nchc implications and overall our way too early ncaa tournament prediction And welcome in episode number 101, the healthy. Whoa, that is not the healthy scratch interview segment. That is the extra ice session. I that was, was a health. That was a healthy scratch in, uh, introduction, though. Yeah, I was <laughs> so excited. Speaking of healthy scratches, if you haven't gotten a chance, um, besides Nick and I, uh, NCHC officiating supervisor Mike Schmidt joined us uh, for episode 100 last week. A that very was fantastic, very insightful conversation, about 45 minutes or so. So if you have a chance uh, on a Sunday or Monday drive to get a chance to go back and listen to that one, I think it's well worth your time i also had a hand uh technically some implications related to the st cloud games this weekend which the huskies uh thankfully did not need much help and uh, we're pretty good on the power play shocker anyway so <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about some men's hockey and then some ncaa hockey starting with men's hockey st cloud jumping to number nine in the pairwise duluth trickling backwards essentially a flip they switched teams. yeah yeah to 11 uh nick the only crazy thing uh and this maybe alludes a little bit to strength of schedule uh these two teams have the worst winning percentage in the pairwise by a mile for people in the top 16. St. Cloud is 20th in the country in win percentage and Duluth is 26th, yet they sit 9-11 and 11 in the pairwise. So you talk about uh, implications for playing some good hockey teams. But Nick, what was your assessment of the weekend against Colorado College and how does it really affect the Huskies moving forward here? Well, there was a couple of things that they didn't control that actually really affected them beyond just Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud State. Um, I'm going to get to that in a second, but they did what they had to do. Um, early Friday, um, you, you could certainly tell the first five minutes that 
this team was still playing nervous. Um, you, you get, yeah. they knew what was on the line. Um, it was definitely more of a chess match. Once that first, once they got to a two nothing lead, you could see it relax. You could see it was a much like, okay, we're, we're doing all right here. And then they added to the lead <clears throat> ended up being a four one win on Friday. Um, you could see that there was a sigh of relief. There was an exhale. Um, so that was good. Also seeing the Hensch's and Brazinski score um, for St. Cloud fans long overdue. And usually with scores like these, you, you hope that they're streaky, right? And you kind of hope that that trend continues. Um, Saturday, much better start. You could see that they were like, okay, we got some confidence now. We got a win under our belt. Um, from start to finish, much better game too. Um, again, I end up being a 62. A little bit of a scary moment there in the third with two goals in 26 seconds by CC. Yeah. Uh, just some crazy puck luck. You know, I don't know if I'd fault. Uh, especially Renick on the second one, that shot from the point, he never, he never saw, he hey, never moved. Hey, be- beats the center ice line. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, um, you know, they did what they had to do. Um, but how about this? I want to dive into Minnesota Goose loss just for the playoff implications because we talked about it on Fox 9 Plus yesterday in terms of how the Huskies are chasing Minnesota Duluth for that fourth spot. How about this? And this is something some people missed. Had Duluth won, they would have been tied with Western Michigan at 37 points. Yep. North Dakota swept Western Michigan this past weekend. Now, the saving grace is Western Michigan technically would have gotten the tiebreaker. The season would have ended today because they have more regulation wins. Yeah. And so a little bit scary, right? Because let's just say even St. Cloud um, was unable to take care of business Friday. There was a chance that Duluth could have passed Western Michigan. And now you're traveling to Lawson um, for that. Here's some good news, though. Yeah. The schedule next weekend. Guess what? Western hosts Miami. Miami. Yeah. So. I mean, we saw some crazier stuff. I mean, Omaha beat Denver on yeah, Friday. And, and, they all, and they almost beat them on Saturday they until did. Denver figured Denver it out. Had a, Denver had a crawl yeah. back on that one. Holy buckets. So yeah. uh, you can definitely see around the league that playoff hockey. I mean, Omaha's playing with a little bit of little bit of yeah. confidence right now. Holy I, cow. I don't know what happened to him, but if anything, and if anything is a marker, it seems like teams who end up playing Miami uh, and especially start losing to Miami, suddenly start playing better hockey. Um, watch out St. Cloud fans. Duluth might be, you know, in this particular moment too. But like you mentioned, the Huskies sitting two points behind. So Nick, we talked about it. Um, Huskies in theory can afford one more loss in the final two games, but it can't, but it can't be, be Friday can't be in regulation. It doesn't, it doesn't matter Friday or Saturday. It just can't be in regulation. It doesn't matter. It's you have to get one regulation win. And if you're going to lose the other game, it can't be in regulation. It, it You have to push it to a shootout. You have to. Um, but Hey, why think like that? Um, as Nick Maxim would so eloquently say, go out and get both of them. Get two and, wins. You know, and these are, and these are team two teams that played tight. They, yeah. And historically, last and it's not even just the season, but historically, the last couple of years, these are tight matchups. Now, with that being said, you brought up the paralyzed. Noah, you talked about uh, St. Cloud and UMD essentially flipping uh, UM, uh, UMD down to 11th. That puts him in bubble territory, um, effectively, does it, right? Does, does it, though? You know, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't. The, and here's, the, the reason being is the paralyzed is based on common opponents, and the Huskies will have Duluth. We talked about this, it was actually, um, uh, Aaron Anderson, who kind of brought this up, I believe on Twitter. Um, and he was kind of talking about that similar instance. And I said, the only, the only way that these two teams 
or one of them is on bubble territory is if one team takes all four from the other, you know, I think if they, if they, if they go, if they go back and forth the way that they have, or if that NCHC playoff at least goes to three games, I think they're both going to be fine. Um, What I got, we'll talk about some implications in a second, but I mean, what I meant by that though, is, you know, if you're a player, it's, so it's not necessarily the direct effect of the pairwise in terms of the, their, ability or their chances to make the the tournament i think both teams are still going to be okay yeah but going into what this weekend means for both squads and for especially for st cloud state if you're a player in umd you see your pairwise drop to 11 you see yourself lose four nothing to miami a team that you should not have lost to on paper on saturday yeah um there's that extra motivation there um and then you're going back to home ice you're going back against a team that uh, these two games that we've had have been contested. There's been some questionable calls slash non-calls between these two teams. Um, we, we won't mention somebody specific on this show, but um, at the end of it, though, it has been, they've been good hockey games. They have been, you know, take away those things. They've been very close. They've been both overtime slash shootout type uh, type matchups. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're setting the stage for some very emotional, um, essentially playoff hockey. Now, you could argue that, St. Claude had to start playoff hockey this past weekend and they, they darn near probably should have. Um, and so they, you know, again, we, we talked about before they, they did what they had to do this weekend. Now, can they take care of business this weekend? Um, you, you hope that St. Claude isn't flying too high. Hmm. You know, you hope that they, they look at the challenge that is coming up again in, on a, a way ice up there at Amsoy beautiful rink, by the way, it's a great venue mm-hmm. to, to watch and even call a hockey game. Um, but this is going to be, this is going to be quite the contest. And, uh, as we talked about before, no, I'm not sure in the history I've covered this team, the last three, four or five years that their series or their season ending series, which has been pretty much a staple in their schedule, just flipping home ice between the two squads. I don't think it's had this much implications on the playoffs as they had this year. So it's going to be quite the battle, um, between these two squads and at, at the end of it, um, oh boy, um, how important I, I still think d- despite the math, I still think Friday's game is, is still huge for, for, for St. Cloud. Yeah. Well, I, I think it alleviates some pressure if you're able to get a regulation win. Right. I think for a couple of instances, even if you don't get home ice in the NCAC, I think it makes you feel a little bit better about uh, the tournament. Right. I uh, yep. just feel a little bit safer with that too. Obviously staying pat, if you can stay 500 or so uh, with an opponent, that's an important piece as well too. Um, and obviously regulation versus overtime wins versus ties. You know what I mean? If the Huskies, let's say one game goes to a shootout and the Huskies win the other one in regulation, they actually have the tiebreaker for the pairwise because of the way that that works. So, yep. um, you know, another thing to kind of kind of pay attention to as well. But Nick, I, you know, I, I posit this too. And obviously, you know, how big is the Omaha series now for the Huskies? Oh you know? boy. But I, I go back to this and, and I know it's been kind of frustrating for Huskies fans. Like I mentioned though, five of the last eight, the Huskies have either won or tied. You know, it's not pretty, but no. how, 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 how fun is it, you know, to kind of be a part of this, to kind of be a middle, the middle of the pack team in terms of, you know, having this series kind of come down to the wire, knowing that you have to play your best hockey to kind of make sure you're making your staple as you head into tournament time. I know Huskies fans expected more. I know they expected this team to be doing better. I know the expectation was high, especially after last season, but still it's going to be a fun ride. It's exciting hockey. And in some senses, Yes, it's nice to have the security of your North Dakotas, your Denver's, if you're in that situation. But at the same time, I mean, North Dakota and Denver's weekends, I mean, they don't mean a whole lot, which is a good thing. But at the same time, I try to look at the positive and say, we get some more exciting hockey that has implications and a little bit of emotion. Now, 
can Huskies fans handle that emotion? That's a question mark and a half to say the least, but um, (laughs) you know, I, I I mean, I mean, really, yes, the Huskies had a really poor month of January, tough ish start to February. Hopefully they're trending in the right direction. Now I thought they had a good week series against Western Michigan. Omaha was a dud. They, they regrouped the ship against Duluth. They played well against CC you know, if they carry a good weekend into Duluth, look okay in the NCSU playoffs, I think everything's all right. I think this team has just was simmering a little bit and has taken a little bit to boil uh, here in the second half in terms of their play. We'll have to see if they can continue to keep that trend rolling. But, I mean, I, all in all, I mean, five power play goals in the weekend, can't can't complain with that. Much yeah, more... but one of, the, one of the league's worst penalty kills, so let's let's put that asterisk out there, too. Only seventy, only 71% of the PK was CC, so not yeah. great. Well, you know what you know, would be the scary alternative if the Huskies didn't score five power play goals then. You know what I mean? And well, But, but, but going back to this, St. Cloud threatened the crease. They were threatening the middle areas of the ice. There were a lot of good signs here. Um, I mean, Nick, before we get to some NCAA stuff, I mean, I mean, parting thoughts, you know, how did the Huskies play this weekend? Uh, and next weekend, why don't we do this? What are your predictions? What is the final outcome uh, up there at Amsoil Arena? Well, first of all, I, I want to make a comment on your, your security thing, right? There's no such thing as security in college hockey. And what I mean by that is your number ones, your number threes, St. Cloud was number one a couple of times of what happened. We got one game in it when yeah. we, we, well, there's, well, there's, secu- there's security for Denver knowing that they're not going to get bounced from a top spot in the NCHC like playoff entry, so to speak. And you never know though. I mean, look what Colorado college did just a couple of years no, ago. No, I mean, I mean, at the end of the regular season, I'm saying next weekend has no bearing for them. It doesn't mean anything to them per se. You know what I mean? Denver, would, a little, Denver a, a little bit, but I mean, I would disagree. My point is they're going to be on home ice. Whoever they play, they're going to be on home ice. They know they're in a good spot. No, I get that. But still, it's like, you know, the mentality is, and this is where I make the argument that St. Cloud's in a better spot right now. And here's why I I say that. Um, For those who want home ice, yeah, I want home ice too. Here's the thing. When you're a top spot, you know, like your North Dakota, your Denver's, um, I don't want to say you get lackadaisical. I don't think you get a, a little comfortable, maybe is the better word, but I, I almost, saying. but when you're, when you're in the situation, St. Cloud is you, you're fighting, right? And at the end of the day, you are going to circle Omaha on, on your results calendar. And whether the season goes one way or the other, that, that right now is the pivotal moment of this season. Um, if it goes down, you're still going to look at that and go, that's where this is where we, missed an opportunity right now if you use that as a chance to do a a self-reflection in the mirror and that's we had this against Duluth last year they got shellacked was it 5-1 up at Amsoil just before the end of the season and they were we were having the same conversation you know was this team really going to be someone of a deep competitive team in the NCAA playoffs and then they make it to the championship game so um you can look at it two ways um it seems like right now, early after yeah. that, they you know against CC looked much better. Um, but let's let's put the reality on the board. CC is is not a great opponent, you know. And this is with all due respect, yeah. they got great players. I, neither neither was Miami, Nick. Right, at, but at the end of the day, you know, every opponent's different, and you have to take care of your own game and not worry about anybody else. Um, I guess so, I, I guess my ultimate point was as we look ahead to this upcoming weekend. What what game are you flipping on the TV? Are you watching Denver Colorado College or are you watching St. Cloud Duluth? You know what I mean? Like like this, get that. this it's exciting. I I think like like it, like it, it, it wasn't meant to be any deeper than that. I mean it was just like 
guys like we get that's, excited that's we, why i'm here we get excited <laughs> that's why i'm here I, I'm, I'm here to provide perspective there mr noah Grant. yeah but we get exciting meaningful hockey which is more that's than what, which well, is no more kidding. than north dakota can say north dakota is playing omaha which is meaningful hockey for the huskies but it's not meaningful hockey for north dakota fans i mean what is know. meaningful hockey for north dakota fans unless they're trying to hang a championship banner let's let's be real or or, um, or a banner for the end of the regular season yeah exactly <laughs> so because speak, yeah, everybody... speak, speaking of regular seasons though nick why don't we talk a little bit NCAA hockey here? Because we are a little bit uh, pressed for time per se uh, related to our own personal schedules. Um, we're taking a look now uh, at the top 16. I have the pairwise pulled up here in my notes, like we mentioned. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, how cute is that? How I'll cute. Tr- I'll try I'll try to go slow for people um, because that's what I'll do. I'll go from the back end up, shall we? Uh, UMass, <laughs> UMass Lowell is what? You don't like going from the back end up? <laughs> I will reserve comment. <laughs> anyway, wow. all right. Uh, UMass Lowell is pulling up. What's pulling in up, your coffee this morning? My goodness, pull, pulling up the rear. I don't need coffee. I'm 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 straight on the stuff here. Uh, UMass Lowell in ah. 16, followed by Northeastern and Boston University, both at 14 apiece. BU's BU's been on a streak. Holy buckets! Their their non-conference schedule has really helped them because their actual standing in Hockey East is abhorrent. They're like it's six. abhorrent. Yeah, they're awful. Um. Uh, Ohio State coming in at 13, Michigan Tech at 12, having a sneaky good little season for them. Uh, Duluth, Massachusetts, St. Cloud round out 11, 10, and 9, followed by Quinnipiac, Notre Dame uh, sneakily up in that oh, seventh spot. Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Western Michigan followed by North Dakota sitting in uh, that five spot. The Golden Gophers in four, Denver in three. Um, the Wolverines dropping to two, or not dropping, really just chilling at two, and Pretty Mankato much, yeah. in that top spot here. So, Nick, I did some math. Oh, I didn't know you were good at that. Um, not really. I didn't do actually any any math, but my my assumption, uh, based on looking at where teams are in the standings related to the respective conferences, related to their non conference schedule, we always have the discussion how many how many places are safe, right? When it comes to the NCAA tournament, I believe that if you're in the top thirteen, you're safe this season. Some seasons is twelve. Some seasons, I guess, is probably fourteen. The kicker. The league that's actually going to make a difference, obviously there's an auto bid from Atlantic Hockey, which is the tournament conference <laughs> champion. It's right now looking like it could be AIC, which um, they've had some okay tournament success. Um, but the <laughs> the the um, the league that's going to make a huge difference, I believe, is going to be Hockey East. Hockey, Hockey East, East yep. has a lot of question marks up in the air. I think the team, the teams that are on the bubble, and this is going from 12 onward, Michigan Tech is probably the safest bubble team, so to speak, um, mm. followed by Ohio mm. State. Those two teams probably have a really good chance, provided they have a good showing. Some other ones that are a little bit kind of outside the realm, I think Northeastern, BU, Clarkson, those are three teams that you know are kind of on the outside looking in. Now, you know, you look at BU's, how much is their non-conference schedule going to help them? How much is their last weekend going to help them? Ohio State's a fringe team, so really their weekend's going to be imperative. They play Penn State, who they've swept both games earlier this season, so they need at least a point against them, I would say. Um, Michigan, Michigan Tech's at 12. They've got Ferris State this weekend, so they've got to close out that uh, series. And I would say maybe get out of the first round of the CCHA tournament to really kind of feel comfortable um, where they're at. Dark Horse teams. Providence, Connecticut, Cornell, and maybe Omaha. Omaha, if they could sweep UND and have a good showing in the NCHC playoffs, they could they could make the case for six NCHC teams making the tournament. I mean, that's a, that's that's going to be a stretch. Um, yeah, but I, I've but I've got three locks from the Big Ten, five from the NCHC, two from yep. the CCHA, 
one from Hockey East, one from the ECAC, and the auto bid from Atlantic Hockey. Everything else, yeah. I think, is up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird how weak um, East Coast hockey is this year, really, yeah. in terms of in terms of a whole. Right? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's and it's going to be interesting because we talk about snubs every single year. You wonder what the the selection committee will do when they look at that. Um, you know, especially yeah. those bubble teams, as much as you want to say Michigan tech is safe, I'm not so sure. Um, and the reason why I say that is not because they don't deserve it, but because we end up getting into political conversations of, you know, Oh my gosh, is how many teams in the West? No, oh, what's sort of the East coast team in there? Why yeah. the hell not? I, I, so. I would say Michigan tech safe because of their schedule. Um, obviously they've had Mankato because they're in their conference, but they've had a couple of games against big 10 opponents. You know, and I think that that's important. And my question is, if you're a team out east, if you're a northeastern, similar to when they played the Huskies a couple of years ago, do you schedule games like that? Do you schedule your holiday tournaments and try to schedule games around teams that are, are in the NCHC or the Big Ten to see if you can? And that's and this is part of the COVID stuff, right? A lot of yeah. these teams, just because of you know multiple factors, with it's financial and obviously the safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, again, St. Cloud went out east and had East Coast teams in their buildings a couple of years ago. This was a, ne- a normal part of their schedule. Um, COVID changed that, and so this is, and this is why I say Michigan Tech isn't to me one hundred percent safe. Is you're now leaving really a up in the air opinionated discussion on where these teams sit. You don't really have these teams going to either coast and playing each other to really get a good idea of how good these teams are. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think it's going to come down to a, a, I hate to sit, use the phrase. I think it's coming out of favoritism contest. Um, you know, That's does, fair. does the, does the resume on paper for Michigan tech say they deserve to be there? Absolutely. I am not at all arguing mm-hmm. that point. My question is, when the selection committee comes up, how are they going to decide? You know, it's more than just the paper, you know, because you're going to have other teams in that bubble discussion of who is better than who and who deserves to be there. I have a feeling this year more than else, there's going to be teams out there that are on the outside that should be on the inside and vice versa. And we're going to have a ton of discussion on some of those bottom six teams and who actually yeah. got selected versus who didn't like you mentioned Clarkson Northeastern Merrimack is even in that conversation, depending on what you believe. Right. So, so let's talk about the locks, shall we? Uh, mm-hmm. One, one auto bid from Atlantic hockey. Like I said, it's the winner of the conference tournament, likely AIC AIC has been the stronger team in that conference. Okay. Yep. ECAC. The only lock that I have right now is Quinnipiac. The next closest team uh, is Clarkson and they're sitting at 17. So they're, they would probably have to win their tournament to get, to get a shot. Honestly. I think, so I would yeah. say, Quinnipiac is in um, hockey East. Uh, everyone's favorite uh, from the state of hockey, UMass. Um, they are a lock uh, to make this tournament. Uh, Northeastern and BU are really on the bubble. I really question. I, I would take BU over Northeastern at this point. Northeastern has the better record and the better win percentage. So the only thing BU is, is the hotter team though. Also right now too. Yeah. Well, they got a bunch of good looking guys. I'll agree with that. Oh, you mean hockey wise? Um, what is it? I, uh, <laughs> what is it? I, they're not, they're non-conference. Their strength of schedule really helps them. They have not been that great of a team until as of late. That's my only thing. Um, uh, but we're talking about locks first. So let's start here. Um, Michigan tech is a bubble team in the CCHA. So the only team as a lock, um, shocker Mankato, um, the NCHC, I believe is going to take five. Um, they're going to have the most entries out of anybody, North Dakota, Denver, Western Michigan, Duluth, St. Cloud. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Notre Dame are the three teams from the big 10. So let's think Notre. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
Um, so let's talk about some bubble teams here. What were you going to say about Notre Dame? I'm actually kind of curious. They're a lock. They're a lock. Yeah, they're in. Uh, yep. I, I definitely that agree. Sweep, they swept Michigan this weekend, right? So yeah, um, they're, in, they're, they're in. In they're fact, in. in fact, I wonder who they actually have this weekend. Let's take a look here with our handy-dandy calculator. They got Wisconsin this weekend. So, so that'll um, be fine. <laughs> well, provided they take care of business. they Wisconsin's bad. They'll be fine. Uh, we said that about Miami once. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, – yeah. Uh, so some bubble teams here, uh, Ohio state, uh, Michigan tech, Northeastern BU, um, Clarkson, uh, and maybe mm. Merrimack in there. Omaha, if they have a really good showing this weekend, they can have a good showing in the NCHC tournament, but they have to really string some games together. Omaha's assu- gonna, I think honestly, in my opinion, Omaha is going to have to win the NCHC tournament to yep. get in. I, I agree. Or, or at least make the championship game need, or well, at worst, the second round. And they have to, they have to at least split this weekend at least to even, have I don't think sniff. so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they have to. I think they have to win these last two in North Dakota. I think they would have to make it to a championship game. Yeah. To if you don't, if you don't get the auto bid, that might put you in the conversation. But it might be a conversation with Omaha too a little too late. Um, yeah. It's. I, I. I think there's a case for Omaha, um, but again, with how stacked the NCHC teams are, you can't put them above anybody else in there. Uh, they're in a tough position. They're in a really tough spot. It's just weird the way that it kind of works. Like Providence has 21 wins on the season, right? They're 21, 13 and two. They're sitting at 18th in the, in the pairwise. I'm assuming you probably have it up in front of you, but yeah, I do. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, really through the top 11, really kind of Duluth is kind of the last maybe safe entry so far at, at the number 11 spot here and everybody else is up for grabs. So You've got all these teams. We'll run through it one more time just so you understand where we're at here. One down to 11 now. Mankato, Michigan, Denver, Minnesota, North Dakota, Western, Notre Dame, who is sitting at seventh right now, Quinnipiac, St. Cloud at nine, UMass at 10, Duluth at 11. And that's all safe. And that's all safe. I agree. So, Nick, number 16 is going to be the auto bid from, from Atlantic Hockey. Fair to say. Let's just let's just throw AAC in there just for argument's sake. So now we've got four spots to play yeah. with. So twelve, so twelve through fifteen, who makes the tournament? What are your thoughts? I'm gonna go BU, Ohio State, Michigan Tech, and uh, oh boy, yeah, the last one's it's, tough. It's tough. I I'm gonna throw a, I'm gonna throw a, a wild card. I'm gonna say Clarkson. Honestly, I think Clarkson has made a little bit of a case. Yeah, um, but there's really I mean, Ohio State to me should be, you know, at least math wise, better percentage wise, right? Again, on paper, Michigan Tech should be, you know, higher percentage. But BU, Northeastern, UMass, Little Clarkson, Providence, there's really not anybody here that sticks out to me, you know, at least as far as being above. Again, Boston's had a recent winning streak. Um, Northeastern, eh, they don't really impress me. Um, Clarkson's had a good couple of wins here recently. So, and again, that's the other thing too. The, are human beings making these decisions. Do they based on a recent memory? Do they take the whole picture? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's tough. And again, and that's why to me, Omaha, I think has to win the conference mm-hmm. tournament to get in, um, to get the adult bid. And, and here's the unfortunate part about that. If you're St. Cloud and let's just say you had a catastrophic weekend against Duluth this next weekend and you lose two and you, also then have a really tough showing in the NCHC first round. If Omaha goes all the way and wins, that might put St. Cloud 
yeah. in that same territory and, too. And, and that's always the rest. But as I was looking through the conferences, like I said, I think behind, besides hockey East, I think everything, unless there's a crazy St. Lawrence type piece, uh, similar to what yeah. we saw last year, which just sucks. They really didn't get a chance to play, but um, uh, you know, unless you have something crazy like that, I don't see a whole lot of change in hockey. East is the only one where I see a potential upset brewing. I mean, let's be fair, Nick and crazier things have happened. We know, oh, yes. but, but do we really believe that Omaha can win the NCHC frozen face off. I don't, I don't think so. I just don't see their path being that readily available. And even, and even if, and, and, you know, and even if they do, I mean, are they, are they going to be that great in the, in the tournament too? I have no idea. Um, well, they, they certainly showed the hockey world this last weekend by giving Denver fits um, yeah. that maybe they're sort of that pseudo dark horse. Cause we can't call Western Michigan a dark horse anymore. They're a good team. Yes, right. They are. Um, I think right now they, they are kind of that dark horse. I think Omaha does have that potential. Um, you know, you talk about team trending up at the right time. I think they are. So is it, is the probability there in their favor? No, but you don't need math. Math doesn't work that way. They just need to win hockey games. And, you know, again, yeah. when when you come away with a split against Denver and, uh, you know, you, you easily could have had both. Honestly, it was a, a late rally by Denver on Saturday to, to pick up that split. Yeah. I think Omaha is feeling pretty good. Again, you swept St. Cloud at home. I don't think anybody expected a sweep in, in the fashion. It was pretty convincing fashion in, in that series. Uh, you give uh, Denver a rough ride. Um, now the one thing that sucks is in between that you somehow got swept by Miami. I'm not sure how that uh, happened. Yeah. Um, right. So, and, and I think that's kind of the curious state of Omaha is that you have good showings against good teams. Somehow you, you lay down flat against an inferior opponent for all due respect to Miami. Um, so that makes them that true dark horse. Uh, the probability is low, but can they do it again? Look at CC. They made it to the frozen face off in 19. You know, did they make noise? No, because again, that the top, three teams in the NC NCHC, North Dakota, Western and Denver, all very, very deep teams, but in a one-off game, right? Anything can happen. That's what makes college hockey so fun is that you just, you never have a, you really have a safe feeling in, in your stomach and that's what makes it great. Yeah. Hockey East is just going to be, it's just going to be interesting. Um, I definitely think Ohio state makes a tournament. I think that they're going to have a good showing this weekend. I think they're going to be okay. I still think Michigan tech's going to be all right. I think the two teams flip flop. I think Ohio state jumps to 12. I think Michigan tech sits at 13. Uh, that's kind of my assessment. Uh, Boston university, they've got Maine as well as a single game against BC today to kind of, um, to kind of close yeah. out their regular season. So potential for sliding rather than improving per improving, se. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not sold on them, Nick. I don't really know. Uh, Northeastern's got Merrimack. Um, so I think that a good showing against Merrimack could really help Northeastern in that respect. I think I still think I think Northeastern makes it to the big dance. I really do. Um, I gotta be honest. We got with a you. chance. Yeah. So that leaves one spot left. Um comes down to BU, Clarkson, or Providence, really, unless there's an upset in one of these these tournaments here. Um and gosh, I just, I really, uh, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I like Clarkson and I like Providence. I just don't know that both of those two teams have, have the better argument just because BU has played so well. Now if BU drops two of their last three, I think there's a very, very different conversation going on there. I 100%. Didn't look, I didn't Especially look, against the opponents that they would drop to as well. Yeah. Um, I know that BU, I think has beaten Providence in the single game that they have played this season. I have not looked at, at Clarkson. So I'm trying to buy myself some time here. Um, Clarkson finishes the season. Their season's actually done. So Clarkson's actually done. Hmm. 
So Clarkson's done. So they would have to win out in the, in, in the tournament. So scratch that idea. Yeah. Um, uh, so Providence is the only one that we're, we're looking at here. Um, you know, and it's, and, and it's interesting and, too, and the, while, and the, while you, and while you look and they're done too, actually they're, they just have the U S under 18 team. So I would say probably, uh, well, I guess the only other team is UMass Lowell. I don't know how we're, we keep missing them. Um, I don't know. Um, cause they really, they were up what around 10 at one point yeah. this season. They've got um, they've got UNH uh, or New Hampshire who New Hampshire. is who is thirtieth in the country. So uh, I would say really whoever has a better showing between it's UMass the conference and yeah. BU, yeah, unless somebody surprises if there's somebody that comes out of note, like if Omaha comes out of left field and wins the NCHC tournament, like. And, and you talk about how you know, and this is why we talk. We call I, I make the favoritism argument, right? On yeah. the math here is done between these squads. So how do you, and it's one spot potentially how, yeah. and, and I'm almost glad that I'm not part of this committee. Right. Cause it's like, how do you pick that last slot? Let's just say I, everything else. It, falls. It's, how do you it, do it? It's always been name brands, hasn't it? And, it, it, and yeah. if you're looking between BU, UMass Lowell and Northeastern, who are you taking? You're taking BU cause BU is the name, you know, and that's why, and that's why Michigan tech scares me is that they're not a household name. I just, um, I think they're safe because I think they've had a much better season than BU in terms of strength, of schedule and just the way that they played. But that's just me. Now, if they crap the bed against Ferris state, we've got alarm bells going up quickly because they could drop to 15. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, you know, know, it's it's there. This weekend is really important for Michigan Tech, if because if yeah. even if they even if they split, ugh, yeah. I think if still... they, I think if they get out of the first round of the CCHA playoffs, I think they're going to be okay. Um, yeah. But because mostly because the teams behind them, I don't see anybody that really strikes me, strikes me as like yeah. oh my gosh they're gonna maybe maybe BU just because BU's like a, a true and honest wild card depending on how you view them. They you know are I mean? no, but, they are. But but do you but do you do you take the argument and say that BU is in and Michigan Tech is out just based on the way that the two teams have played? Like that's you know, provided Michigan Tech wins their last two games, they're going to be at twenty one wins, and they'll be if fine. B, if BU wins, they're going to be at what like twenty three, maybe twenty four. You know, it's like yeah, it's and it's oh boy, you know, and I, I want to make sure I rephrase this too. Um, yeah. I want Michigan Tech in there. Same. I think they deserve to be in there, you know. Yeah. But again, when you get to that essentially you, eleven on down, right? Yeah. These the decisions that we've seen from this committee make have sometimes been mind-boggling, and so that's why, like, I'm nervous for them because you, you don't want it to come to that position, right? They've had they've had some uh, some like heartbreak in recent memory though speaking yeah. of fargo i mean they were a team that really felt like they were in control you have a defenseman who falls uh you know in, in yeah. his senior game too i also want to try to find this too nick sorry to cut you off uh college hockey news did come out with their pairwise predictor too so i want to pull that up and touch on it very we, quickly yeah i know well, i've seen that yeah well, before but um i mean nick you know when it comes to the huskies Again, going back to the argument, I do want to. I do want to pause at this one. We almost forgot. We almost forgot this. So, go Huskies! Woo came at us with this one, talking about how Michigan just narrowly missed uh, winning the Big Ten. It was Minnesota who's going to take the cake on that one. Um, and his prediction was that uh, Michigan would not win the Big Ten. Um, I'm sorry to say, uh, you had a six out of seven chance, uh, you know, of getting that correct versus us saying that Michigan was going to be the team to beat in the big 10. And it took until the last week of the regular season for that. Last to happen. Game. Exactly. Last game. So, um, so to, to, to think that you were an elite hockey mind on that one, go Huskies. Well, I'm sorry. They still have a very good chance of winning the big 10 tournament. So don't, don't rest on your laurels quite I yet. Will, I, I will give go, go Huskies do one thing. Um, 
And I think we even, I know I made this argument too, um, early when they were ranked number one in the preseason poll, I said that they were ranked on their talent, not on their play. Um, Notre Dame kind of proved me right also this weekend um, that their young and inexperienced is going to be sort of their Achilles heel um, as they move forward into playoff time, whether it's Big Ten or especially the NCAA tournament. Um, there's no question that this team has a ton of great high-end talent. Yes. There's no denying that. And, and, and that and that was where our point stemmed from, is this team's going to be a lot deadlier than people were giving them credit for. You know, They're number two in the pairwise. Like- right. Um, now... Can some say that's propped a little bit? Eh, no, I mean, hey, they had a great, a they, had a, they had a great showing in their second game of the holiday tournament. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I can't believe that. Still, honestly, um, but, <laughs> you know, um, you, you know what? I can't believe. What's that? I was just looking at this because the pairwise probability matrix is what it's called from College Hockey News. Updated itself last night. Uh, Duluth has dropped from ninety-eight percent to ninety-two percent after last night's action. Yeah, so Whatever. kind of interesting. Your Michigan Tech favorites—they're at eighty-eight uh, percent. Ohio State's at eighty, um, and like I said, that's that's about as far as we'll go with the potential safe of the safe here. Uh, BU's at fifty-nine, Northeastern at forty-nine, and then Mass Lowell on down is thirty percent or below. So I mean, again, the, these these people aren't using analytics to make these calls. That's what's funny to me is that you can have these predictors all the hell you want, but, yeah, but I don't know. Using, yeah, but they're using math. <laughs> that's. Mm. At the end of the day, I still feel like they, they almost feel like they put but, but you can like but you, in a hat and draw from them, you know, for the yeah. last couple of spots. But you feels can, that way sometimes. But, but you can do that comparison, right? You know that the Huskies, for example, have Duluth, right? You know what I mean? So I think the 92% comes into, well, if Duluth loses all four and then gets bounced in the first round of the NCHU playoffs, okay, maybe they slip to 15 and then they get ousted by a hockey East team. You know what I mean? Like, how about this? Let's to, to end the show. Um, I've got an idea real quick because, you know, we, we could spend hours debating, you know, the pairwise rankings. We really oh, could. Oh, I thought we were going to. I thought this was our five hour show. I know. Week. Right. <laughs> um, I think. How about this? Because right now, the, the top, the, uh, the four number one seeds, Minnesota State, Michigan, Denver, Minnesota. Right. Um, which one of these teams actually has the bigger chance to be upset? Oh, um, you, you mean t- you mean the, the top five in the. No, 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 like the top four. So they'd be the number one seeds in the regionals. Which one of these number one seeds would have the greatest possibility of not making it out of the regional and being upset and not making it to the Frozen Four? Oh, between Mankato, Michigan, Denver, and the Gophers. And the saying. Gophers. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb. I'm going to say it's Michigan. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's I Michigan. Actually, I actually... Um, Okay, hot take here. Um, and I and I don't know if it'll be an upset depending on what the region looks like. I honestly think it's Mankato. Oh. I think it's Mankato. And the reason I say Mankato, the one thing that can be a deterrent, and I know their early conference schedule was good just like the Huskies were, mm-hmm. Mankato's season finished relatively early. They have yep. not played a lot of hockey. Um, they're the number one seed, which is like the worst curse in college hockey. Um and Mankato, as of recent, has not had a very strong strength of schedule. So I believe that all those factors could make that a very interesting hockey game. Now, when I say it depends on what you believe as, as an upset, do, do they get through AIC? Probably. But what I say by that is, then is the next team that gets them, who usually in that regional potentially might be an 8, 9, 10. Could be the Huskies. Could be St. Cloud. Could be St. Cloud. I mean, do you view that as an upset? You know, I, I I think that 
for where Mankato wise, yes. for, for where Mankato is relative to the position, the pairwise, which is one, I think they have the biggest chance of not making it to the big dance. I, out of those four teams, I think Denver is probably the safest team out of those I would four. Agree with that. I think they're the most complete team top to bottom. I really think uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, yes, they're you playing heard, really, really well. You right heard now. it on this podcast. They are trending in the right direction. So, in typical Gopher fashion, they'll get bounced in the first round, right? Um, but I, and then, and then they'll I, whine I, about uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, the, oh, the rest, the yeah, the rest the time, rest. Yeah. The, the start time for the game. I think, I think the top two spots are probably the most question marks. I'll agree with you with Michigan too. I, I don't know that. Um, Michigan is potentially a team. In fact, um, I have not gotten a chance to look, so why don't we look one more time here uh, who Michigan, how, how they've been doing as of late besides the sweep against uh, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Narr- narrowly escaping uh, Ohio State. They beat Michigan, Michigan State, and they've got Michigan State again to close out the, the regular season. So um really kind of depends uh, on what Michigan team shows up, and I don't say that to be obvious. I say that because when it comes to young teams, that's usually the question mark is, can you handle the big time? Can you handle the yep. tournament? And let's remember a lot of the players who were underclassmen last year did not play in the NCAA tournament. Correct. Because uh, they couldn't. So, so yeah, this, it, and that's, and that's the ultimate X factor, right? Is, and this is where the Huskies, they can carry some confidences because they, they, they were here last year. They know what it takes to get to there. Now, will they be able to, you know, to put thought to ice right is you know can they execute um that's the bigger question mark i think with this team it, so as long as you have a good showing here these next couple weekends and uh end a regular yeah. season and then the nchc playoffs that should be okay I, I really hope the wolverines win the big 10 tourney though um but uh <laughs> with that being with that being said nick i would encourage fans and listeners like they kind of did last year a little bit i uh, definitely tweet us your predictions for who you think maybe those yeah. last couple spots in the nca are going to be or who you think maybe the biggest upset is going to be we always love to hear uh what you have to say within reason if you're not being petty about it you know who you are um but nonetheless speaking uh, of petty let it go bro <laughs> <laughs> jeez but no, nonetheless nonetheless uh is there anything else you wanted to add about ncaa hockey about the st cloud state huskies i mean what a privilege it has been for us to be able to cover this team over the past couple of years coming down to the wire and the last week of the regular season approaching the NCHC and NCAA playoff time. I mean, it's, it's really been a blast and we're excited obviously to be along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, well, let's put it this way, right? Um, you, you want these ups and downs cause you're still in the conversation to have a postseason. You're not having, yep. um, say the discussion Omaha's having where about, about tea times, yeah, about tea times, right. Where it's, you know, unless essentially you have, you, you take care of your own business, but also get lots of help above you. Um, you know, your season's coming to a draw here in about two, if not three weeks uh, at the most. So, uh, Huskies fans, you know, again, to, to have the thought of a postseason, to have the opportunity to play, to continue your season, you have that there. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, emotions are there. I mean, you know, it, we I think we would both be lying with us that we weren't emotionally invested in this squad. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, when you, when you get to what the positions that we've been in, you know, you, you kind of learn to you know, just kind of like the players do, right? You kind of let even to, kill even kill right yep. and you know at the end of the day they the it, it comes down to the players and the coaching staff you know they gotta they know what they gotta do can they go out there and execute can they do it yeah. um but yeah it, it's been fun um, and 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 enjoy the ride guys like seriously like yeah. you know and here's the thing if if the final game of the season ends seven one like that sucks so be it you know if the final game ends four to three and it comes down to a final bounce and a net mouse scramble like that's okay too like that's tournament time it's all right we want the boys to win um 
We believe they can. We believe they have the ability to go on a run this season. Uh, but just enjoy every minute of hockey and take it for what it is. Because like you mentioned, Nick, having a top 10 team in the country doesn't come around for a lot of programs. Didn't come around for St. Cloud for a long time until yep. recent memory. So just enjoy the ride, support the boys. Uh, and it's going to be a fun ride to the finish. That it will. So, uh, and I think with that being said, Noah, um, buckle up, right? This is yep. going to be some exciting uh, from here on out, I mean, again, a very uh, important series with us uh, with Duluth in Amsoil uh, come this weekend to determine playoff seedings. They're on a collision mm-hmm. course to play each other four games essentially the next two weeks or possibly five. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, you talk about building a rivalry. This is kind of why this rivalry has exploded. Is you know, regular season matchups have been close. They've had a lot of um games uh playoff wise i mean in fact again the 2019 ncha championship game at st paul was one of the best hockey games yeah. i've ever seen um so, with those two squads so 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 what's your prediction is that the huskies sweep the bulldogs uh western michigan gets swept by miami and the huskies have omaha in the first round okay got it um because <laughs> that's exactly how that would work right oh uh, yeah, but no like we, but like we mentioned uh huskies friday and saturday taking on minnesota duluth following weekend is the best of three series in the nchc uh opener for the playoffs Frozen face-off after that, NCAA regionals after that, uh, and then wait two weeks for the Frozen Four after that. Uh, for Minnesota Wild Hockey, they've got three games coming up this week, uh, and then a game on Sunday followed by uh, three more games and another game on Sunday that following week. So identical weeks in terms of the scheduling for the Minnesota Wild to kind of pay attention They basically to. play every other day. They basically, yeah. yep. Yeah, pretty much. It's not until a couple of weeks that they have a um, – Two strings of two days off in there, but uh, nonetheless, that will do it. Episode number 101. We appreciate you sticking around for this longer episode, and we will see you soon for episode 102. One-timer coming, they score! Seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.